When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the 49ers Access Podcast. Can you believe what transpired yesterday in the NFC Championship game? Blows my mind. It was the craziest thing we've ever seen in the last 20 years as Niner fans, as the San Francisco 49ers clinch and punch their ticket to their eighth Super Bowl Ever going back to the Super Bowl to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And what happened at Levi Stadium was magical. It was insanity. And now the San Francisco 49ers have their 38th total playoff win, the most by any team in NFL history. Their 17-point comeback is the first time ever a team has come from behind down 17 plus points to win an NFC championship game. And Kyle Shanahan is now third overall with eight career playoff wins behind Bill Walsh and George Seifert in San Francisco 49ers history. It started off as one of the biggest disappointments, embarrassments of all time. It looked like one of the worst losses in San Francisco 49ers history. And it soon became one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history. Yesterday was nail biting. It was mind numbing. It was mind blowing. But what an awesome, awesome day to be part of the 49er faithful uh, again. It, the first half was ugly. It was horrifying to just watch what was transpiring to be down 24 to 7 going into halftime, looking at your friends and your family, putting your, your head in your palms, praying to the Lord, saying, what is happening? Why are you letting this occur? And then to storm all the way back in a span of one quarter, eight minutes, to then have this game tied and eventually steal a win against the Detroit Lions when all hope was lost. There was no faith. It seemed as if the faithful had given up. The Niners stormed their way back and punched their ticket to the freaking Super Bowl. We're going back to the freaking Super Bowl. This is so, so awesome. It's what was supposed to happen when the year began. I've been covering this team since 2020, but this year specifically, I was at OTAs and training camp and mini camp. And from that moment, it was like it was preordained and destined. This team was going to go back to the Super Bowl. It was this year or bust for the San Francisco 49ers. And while this year can still end in a bust if they don't get it done in two weeks against the Chiefs, which uh, if they're going to play anybody, uh, 
bring on Mahomes, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift, am I right? <laughs> With that being said, this season can still be a bust, but right now, it feels awesome. We are where we are supposed to be, where our goals were set towards, the path we had created this season. We are on the right one, headed to Vegas, baby. We're going to freaking Vegas in two weeks at Allegiant Stadium, Niners versus the Chiefs, a rematch of the 2019-2020 Super Bowl. Just incredible, incredible uh, to watch this game transpire at Levi Stadium. 56.6 million people witnessed the comeback. I mean, honestly, you can put it this way. Nearly 57 million people witnessed one of the greatest comebacks in Niner history. Witnessed maybe the, the worst collapse in Detroit Lions history. And also got to see Brock Purdy show the entire world, nearly 57 million people, just exactly how good he is. 56.6 million people witnessed the comeback, the collapse, and MVP caliber Brock Purdy showing off in the second half, having one of the greatest comebacks in Niner history and NFL history. If that does not get you pumped up, if you're not like Brock Purdy walking off that field, flexing your muscles and your guns, feeling good, popping champagne, the Martinelli's just going freaking nuts, I don't know what else you're looking for. That is what you call inspiration. It's what you call a freaking miracle. And it's what you call 49er football in January. The Packers game was nearly the exact same way on the ropes, on the brink. You come back late, you sealed that win. Prepping for this game against the Lions, it's you got to make sure you play a complete four quarters. They didn't play for the first two quarters almost at all, down 17 points, and they played nearly a perfect second half to win this game. That's what it took, and that is what happened. So uh, to appreciate this win as the way we did, we're going to dive into Brock Purdy. What exactly changed in that second half to open up the floodgates for San Francisco's offense, and what did Steve Wilkes do uh, to make second-half adjustments for the defense? We'll dive into all the zaniness and craziness. Again, uh, welcome into the Ford Niner Access podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, reacting to the Niners' 34-31 NFC Championship game win over the Detroit Lions. Send your comments in the chat. I'll get to hopefully every single one. And let's party on this Victory Monday, live on YouTube, live on Facebook, and live on X and Twitter. But again, to appreciate exactly how great this comeback was, you have to then go all the way back to the first quarter. And it was ugly, and it was disgusting, and it was gross, it was embarrassing. I sat there and looked at my friends and said, uh, what is happening? <laughs> Like, right now, I'm wearing my you know, 1980s Niners throwback red and gold jacket, feeling like this is the game. It's like, we're going to come in and smash Detroit, make a statement. And it looked like we did 
didn't know there was a game. <laughs> it was like the lack of effort was just abundantly clear. Chase Young is jogging on plays. He can be tackling players on. The offense looks stagnant. And the Detroit Lions, to their credit, Ben Johnson, Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, Jamison Williams, David Montgomery, the Lions were in their freaking bag in that first half. They The Lions looked like the better team by far. They were awesome in this game. And to make this clear how, just really how awful the first half was, we witnessed it, but looking at the stats here, the Lions in the first half, in the first half, had 148 rushing yards. 148 rushing yards. San Francisco as a team, passing and rushing, had a total of 131 yards. 131 yards total. The Lions outrushed San Francisco's entire offense that has Purdy, McCaffrey, Kittle, and all pros everywhere. <laughs> Literally everywhere. And I wasn't too surprised in the game plan for San Francisco. Uh, honestly, my thought was that <laughs> they're going to have a heavy passing game. The Lions secondary is not very good. Uh, I, I expected Brock Purdy to have a heavy uh, heavy workload on his shoulders. Now, it got heavier as the game progressed because it had to be, but I was not shocked as to uh, how heavy the workload for him was early in this game. What I was shocked about is exactly how poor and ineffective San Francisco's running game was. They had 38 rushing yards in the first half of this game for under three yards a carry. Now, the Lions came in having the best rushing defense in the entire league. Uh, they've been great all year long. Uh, that being said, I was not expecting 38 yards on 13 attempts. Meanwhile, the Lions to have 148 rushing yards on 21 attempts. They had double, over double the rushing yards a Chris McCaffrey-led rushing offense had for San Francisco. 2.9 to 7 yards a carry. It was atrocious. It was like Kyle Shanahan didn't scheme this game up at all. Steve Volks was like, why, why call defense? It was like San Francisco came in overconfident, simply expecting to show up and get the win. Um, you can't do that. <laughs> Literally ever. Maybe week six. Maybe week seven against the Cardinals or, or an awful team like that. But you can't do it in the playoffs. And it felt like San Francisco did that twice in back-to-back -back weeks. Green Bay, you hope that was the wake-up call. It was not, obviously, for San Francisco. This game, that first half may have been the worst half I've ever seen a Kyle Shanahan-led uh, team play. That like that like like This was setting up to be the most embarrassing loss in a playoff game ever under Kyle Shanahan and for a 27 year old like myself it was going to be one of the most embarrassing playoff losses in my lifetime nearly 30 years Harbaugh era Mariucci era uh, it just felt like it was an ultimate collapse number one seed had a bye week um Again, against the Packers was your mulligan. You had to play perfect in this game for four quarters. They did not, by any means. Uh, but again, that first half was just ugly. Ugly. <laughs> but, first drive of the game. 
four plays, 75 yards, under two minutes. Lions put up a quick seven points. Their four plays go for four yards, 15 yards, 14 yards, then 42 yards. Three plays over 14 yards. Explosiveness everywhere. Uh, capped off by a Jamison Williams 42-yard touchdown run where Lenore and Thomas and Greenlaw all missed tackles and Nick Bosa didn't set the edge. Uh, if that was not the story of how this first half was going to go, uh, Nobody setting the edge and missed tackles. Uh, that is exactly what happened uh, throughout the entirety of the first half. The next drive for San Francisco, it's third and nine. Uh, things are just going poorly already. Chris McCaffrey's getting stuffed. They go 12 plays down the field, okay? 12 plays, 45 yards in just under five and a half minutes. It's third and nine. Purdy finds Ayuk for 11 yards. Okay, reset downs. Here we go. But early in this game, Brock Purdy had three balls batted down, two of them being on this drive, both by Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, the Lions guys were getting their hands up. Uh, and if you remember that Chiefs game, Super Bowl, a couple years ago, uh, that was a massive story. Chris Jones on Jimmy G batting those balls down. In this first half, uh, this was the first non-rain game where it felt like uh, Brock Purdy's physical limitations, his height, his stature, was coming to play, was coming into factor for uh, San Francisco. Uh, but again, to give him credit, they still get downfield. Purdy has an awesome throw because there was so much action and so many good things happening in that second half for the Niners. Uh, this throw is kind of forgotten. Purdy gets hammered finding Debo Samuel over the middle. Um, it was a mess of a pocket. Purdy somehow found Debo for 15 yards over the middle. But then again, Jake Moody misses that field goal. And it's weird enough we're not even talking about Jake Moody anymore, right? Like no one's mentioning Jake Moody's name um, because he missed a field goal. And at the time I was like, get this guy off the field. <laughs> like give me Robbie Gold for the love of God. Like, Robbie Gold is literally perfect in the playoffs. At the time, Jake Moody was one for three. Uh, you cannot put that man out there. Now, later, redeemed himself. But early in this game, it was a nightmare scenario for San Francisco. You're already down 7-0. Lions answer again. Ten plays. An easy 61 yards. Five, half, five and a half minutes. Uh, and it just felt like the Lions are getting... Chunk play after chunk play, 10 yards here, 6 yards here, 7 yards here. Guys are missing tackles, no one's setting the edge. And before you know it, it's 14-0. And you're like, everyone's ears perks up and you're like, uh-oh. Like, this game is already in the balance for San Francisco. Like, this game feels like if the Lions score one more time, it's going to be over with. Now, to San Francisco's credit, they answer here. Eight plays, 75 yards, uh, roughly four minutes of action here, and it gets a heavy CMC dosage of plays here. Four carries, 15 yards on the ground, a massive 28-yard catch in which he runs through Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Brock Purdy happens to find Kyle Juszczyk for 23 yards downfield. Play-action boot runs to his left. Somehow, in the chaos of the play, Throws it up, finds use check, and again, you go down and you score seven points on a CMC touchdown in which he sets the franchise record 
for touchdowns in a single season, breaking Jerry Rice's then record of 23. Uh, CMC ends the night with 24. Uh, we got Rick Diaz in the chat saying, what's up? What an awesome show, man. We're doing great, Rick. We're having a great time. Uh, Rick says he's very happy after last night's win. How could you not, Rick? How could you not? Uh, we got Bobo here in the chat saying, if the refs call a fair game in the Super Bowl, we will win. Uh, that's two weeks away. Uh, we have a lot of time in between these two games, but you're right, Bobo. If the NFL keeps their hands off of things, uh, we're at least going to have a fair shot to win a Lombardi Trophy, the sixth one ever in Niner history, tying the Steelers and the Patriots for the most of any team. But back to this game. It's 14-7. Your defense needs a stop. And what do they do? They get a stop. The Lions try a trick play. Lenore recognizes it. He stops Jared Goff. Ball flutters in the air. Falls incomplete. Then Warner breaks up a pass on Amon Ross St. Brown. It's third and ten. Uh, then Warner misses a tackle and gives it up. And you're like, uh-oh. Here we go. But then Bosa gets a sack. It's third and 15. And Dre Greenlaw utterly destroys Sam Laporta and his own shoulder in the exact same play. And at this point, I'm like, we got to stop. The defense did their job. Greenlaw might be hurt, but we have a chance here to go down and score some points and tie this game back up. And what does Brock Purdy do? He throws an interception. Devo Samuel, first play of the drive, cuts back three different times, finds some space. Then on first down, Purdy overshoots Ayuk. The next play, Purdy again overshoots Ayuk. On the third play under pressure, the ball gets tipped, and Purdy throws a pick. And we're just sitting there like, what? This is a disaster. This is falling apart right in front of our faces. On this play, though, while it didn't spark anything, it was a very clear uh, idea as to how the Lions were going to play this game. Uh, Dan Campbell, buy your kneecaps off. We all know that stuff. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson takes a cheap shot at Debo Samuel right here on his injured shoulder. Uh, they got beef. We know about it. But right there was kind of the first inkling of, okay, they are trying to bully us into the ground. And I don't know if you've been bullied. I have not been bullied my, in, in my life, thankfully. But... The old thing, the old, the old adage is, once you're getting bullied, go out there and take a swing, right? If you're getting bullied, you're getting beat up, go out there and take a swing. You have to fight back. You have to show the opposition you're not going to give up. And what does San Francisco do? Well, they give up, right? It felt like they were going to give up. Ball on San Francisco's 46-yard line again. Chunk play after chunk play. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, 15-yard touchdown run. And we're down 21 to 7 in the blink of an eye. And again, it feels like this is going to be how the season ends. San Francisco punts on the next drive, and the Lions had the football to end the first half. They're driving, they're moving the ball downfield. Like, this is literally it. If they score here, it's gonna be 28 to 7 going into halftime. You already missed a field goal. You already turned the ball over. This is, like, I would not have blamed fans had they left Levi Stadium saying, it's over. It felt like it was over. <laughs> like, this was horrible to watch. But in this moment, 
this may have been the most pivotal drive of the game. Because what it do, what did it do? Again, Lions, chunk play after chunk play, third and 12. Gibbs runs for a first down. How does that happen? Bosa gets a sack. It's Lions, third and 18. Goff finds Alan Ross St. Brown over the middle for another first down. How does this happen? On this exact same drive, the Lions convert three third downs, third and 12, third and 18, and third and six. And again, every single time you're saying, hold them to a field goal, maybe they'll punt, hold them to a field goal. How do they keep doing this? San Francisco also gets lucky. Goff overshoots Gibbs in the back of the end zone. It's like, oh, we cut a break. We may have cut a bigger break because Dan Campbell, smartly, mind you, uncharacteristically plays it safe and goes for the field goal, giving San Francisco a chance, albeit a very slim chance, right? Take the points, not going to blame you. But Dan Campbell leaves that door slightly ajar where if it gets a field goal here, it's 24 to 7. And if San Francisco can just score one touchdown coming out of the half, um, you have yourself a 10-point 10, 10 game. And that's that's manageable. That's okay. But in that first half, the reason why I run through all of that is to say... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline that it was so ugly. Shanahan and Wilkes are being outcoached. They were being so outcoached, so outsmarted. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, was putting Panay Sewell, their right tackle, out for passes for like as a receiver. Wilkes' soft zone is being gashed left and right. Linebackers aren't tackling. Safeties aren't tackling. Montgomery and Gibbs are getting five yards then they're getting touched, and they're carrying guys for five more yards downfield. The Lions had 148 rushing yards in the first half, the most since week nine of 2016 against any Niner team ever. And that team was led by Chip freaking Kelly. The worst, maybe worst Niner team of all time? That's what they were playing like with all pros everywhere. They had three players with 40-plus rushing yards in the first half, all more than Christian McCaffrey. Now, Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, both amazing players. We saw it in this game. But players like Chase Young and Nick Bosa just not setting the edge. Players like Javon Hargrave having his worst game of the season. It was at a point at halftime, I was going through what does the offseason look like. No one's tackling. The offense can't score. It was almost like you're looking ahead of, hey, what does the offseason look like? Are, who are you firing? Steve Wilkes, goodbye. Who are you trading? Could it be Hargrave? Chase Young's not coming back, right? Jake Moody has to go. It was at that point. You just sat back and said, this season's over. 
But what does San Francisco do? And again, the reason why I bring up all of the negative things, all of the horrible football being played on the field is to say this. That second half may have been the best half of football I've ever seen in a playoff game for the San Francisco 49ers. Niners versus Falcons is certainly up there. The Kaepernick game against Atlanta, Matt Ryan, it definitely is atop that list. But in recent memory, under Kyle Shanahan, they had to play perfect in that second half to win this game. And a, a, a lot of the conversation is, what was that halftime discussion like? Can you be a fly on the wall and imagine what was being said in that locker room? What was Nick Bosa saying or, or Brock Purdy saying or Fred Warner saying? What did Kyle Shanahan say to his guys to motivate them to come out in the third and fourth quarters to push as hard as they ever can with the season on the line on the brink of elimination back against the wall? How and what did he say to fight back from that? I would not have blamed any player if they just packed it in and gave up. But a team like this, their goal is to get to the Super Bowl. To not be embarrassed on your own home field. I can almost guarantee you that conversation really wasn't one at all. You don't have to say anything. It's looking into your teammates' eyes and saying, I believe in you. I believe in us. We can do this. We're the San Francisco freaking 49ers. We have a defensive player of the year, a double-digit sack defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave. We have Chase Young, a former defensive rookie of the year and top two draft pick. We have Mooney Ward, an all-pro this year. We have all-pro Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw playing out of his mind. Yeah, we have Lenore and Amber Thomas, and maybe some of those guys aren't great, mainly Amber Thomas, but we can get this thing freaking done. And on offense, we have an MVP of Brock Purdy and MVP Chris McCaffrey. Not much needed to be said. It was look into your teammates' eyes and simply believe. And that is exactly what San Francisco did. In fact, uh, they believed so much that heading back out onto the field, uh, I would assume going over the plays, what the second half script was going to be, Kyle Shanahan turned towards Brock Purdy and said, are you ready to have some fun? They knew they had to have the perfect second half to win this game. They knew back against the wall, on the brink of elimination, season being over, Everything you've worked for for since May and June and July coming to an end in a cat catastrophic way. How do you fight back? Kyle Shanahan's words to Brock Purdy were, are you ready to have some fun? And boy, was that second half fun. Uh, I'm sure you, like myself, when that second half started, you're down 17 points in my notes, first drive, in all caps, says, you gotta score here. If you don't score here, this thing is wrapped up, it's over, pack it in, okay? San Francisco goes nine plays, 50 yards, nearly four minutes off the clock, first play, boom, play action, 26 yards to Debo Samuel. 
Debo Samuel touched the ball three times on the first drive coming out of the half, and all of a sudden, you hear the crowd a little louder, and a little louder, and a little louder. Third down, Juwan Jennings has, if it wasn't for the IU catch, uh, probably would have lost the game, but if it wasn't for the IU catch, Juwan Jennings has had two of the most amazing catches in back-to-back -back weeks I've ever seen. One-handed, goes up, mosses the defender on third down, extends the drive. A Lions player is piggybacking <laughs> off Ayuk, and we're sitting there, starting to believe again. And you get stopped on third down. Here comes Jake Moody trotting out, and you're like, not this again. Shanahan's going for a field goal? Seriously? Like, like, like Bobo states here, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was waving goodbye to Niner fans in the second quarter when they're winning 21-7. The Lions, they can taste blood. They're coming out to finish you off up 17 points. And here comes Jake Moody. And you're like, seriously, Kyle? You gotta score seven here, man. Get yourself back in the game. And Jake Moody, to his credit, uh, I don't want to say he has ice in his veins. Maybe it's like a pre-son or something. He's like a five-year-old kid now, right? Uh, makes a field goal. And you go, okay. It's not as bad as it once was, right? It's 14 points. It's two scores. You get a stop. You score. You get another stop. You got a score. It's certainly the hard way to get things done, but it's, it's, it's possible. It's feasible. Then the Lions do the dumbest thing you can. Because on this drive, right... We talked about the Lions' last drive of the first half. Dan Campbell goes for the field goal. Uncharacteristically not aggressive. Then the first drive of the second half, the Lions are moving the ball down the field. They're in our territory on our 28th yard line. They kick a field goal. You essentially erase the Moody field goal. It goes back to a 17-point game. I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that, but Dan Campbell wanted to bite some kneecaps off like a freaking dummy. And look, I love the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. Meathead, analytics, I love what they've done. They've had a great season. This may have been one of the biggest fumbled bags by a coach I've ever seen, not named Kyle Shanahan, right? For all the Kyle Shanahan faults, 28-3 against the Chiefs, against the Rams, like, this one was, like, if you're a Lions fan, great season. Uh, Dan Campbell, you're like, what in the world were you thinking? Kick the freaking field goal, my guy. But I'm third down, third and four. Massive play. Lions marching downfield. At this point, it is on the 30-yard line of San Francisco. Amon Ross St. Brown's in the backfield. Not Montgomery. Not Gibbs. Again, guys who had 148 rushing yards coming into the second half. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. Fred Warner stuffs him for just two yards. And it's fourth and two. Ball in San Francisco's 28-yard line. Again, I'm screaming... Why are they not going for the field goal? And Josh Reynolds drops the pass. And all of a sudden, 
like when Debo touched the ball three times in that first drive and you kick the field goal, that crowd starts to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And you can hear the roar of the faithful at Levi Stadium starting to come alive. They're starting to believe that, hey, it may seem insurmountable, but it's not impossible. And all of a sudden, Brock Purdy runs out to the field 24 to 10. You gotta score here. Screen pass, Debo 17 yards on the next play. Kirby Joseph gets hurt, and I'm yelling at the TV. You gotta take a shot. Kirby Joseph, one of the best safeties in the entire league, had like six or seven picks this year, is off the field. You gotta take a shot. If there's any chance you wanna come back, you gotta take a shot in this game. Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan and Brandon Ayuk dial up a deep one and Purdy uncorked that sucker 51 yards downfield. It bounces off Vildor's face mask. He had the DPI. It was a good pass. I don't want to hear it. Off the face mask, off his hands, and Brandon Ayuk makes one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. People call it the catch four, the fluke to Ayuk, the ladybug, whatever you want to call it. That saved the game for San Francisco. And again, the crowd's going nuts. They are believing once again that the San Francisco 49ers have it in them to come back and shock the entire world. Then Brandon Ayuk caps off that drive. Purdy, six-yard pass, bang, seven-point game. And at that point, Levi Stadium is deafening. It feels like the weight of the world is off of our shoulders. The Lions are sitting there and they're shocked what is going on? But for some reason, Josh Reynolds is laughing on the sideline like, bro, you put and you gave San Francisco a chance back in this game. What are you doing? Why are you laughing? It's a seven-point game, a one-score game. And for the Lions, you want to calm your guys down. What do they do? They go back to the run. And on defense, it wasn't Warner. It wasn't Bosa. It wasn't Mooney Ward, who was great in this game, mind you. It was Tayshawn Gibson, who the only reason why he came back this year is because Tawa Noah Hufunga revitalized the love of football in him. One year dear, one year deal last year, excuse me. Hufunga revitalizes in him. He comes back for another one-year deal. Hufunga tears the ACL. It's Jair Brown next to him now. Jair Brown gets hurt. Then it's Logan Ryan. Now it's Jair Brown again. And Tayshawn Gibson, the vet that he is, never having played in the Super Bowl in his entire life, makes the play of his career. And Steve Wilkes even said they knew Jameer Gibbs did not hold that football safely. He held that thing loosely, and they knew if they got a shot, they had to punch that sucker out. Tayshawn Gibson forces the fumble. Eric Armstead recovers. And in my notes, in all caps, once again, Noah didn't say you have to score here. It says, they are rattled. Step on their throats. Now it's time to go for the kill. The Lions are shocked. Jared Goff is like, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm a game manager. I can't do this. And at that moment, it was like, we are back in the game and we are going to win this game. At that moment, the Ayuk... Massive 51-yard catch, the fluke to Ayuk in the touchdown pass, then to Sean Gibson's 
very next play forced fumble, it was like, okay, here come the San Francisco 49ers. And David McNiner says it perfectly. Let's effing go 49ers. Exactly at that moment when Gibson forced that fumble, it was let's effing go 49ers. <laughs> this, this game is so crazy. It's so crazy to think about. Screen to Kittle gets nothing. Then Purdy. Who needs Lamar Jackson? They got Brock Purdy with his legs in the first half. He was in there shuffling, juking, and jiving. In the second half, Brock Purdy's legs were arguably a bigger story than his arms. You have to get seven. Tie this game up. Take advantage of your defense. Finally making a stop. Making a play. Right? Brock Purdy scrambles for 21 yards. Dives forward for the extra few. Then CMC gets you in the end zone. And at this point, it's 24-24. In a span of eight minutes... San Francisco has gone down 17 to tied at 24-24 with time still in the third quarter. Say it again. Down 17 and in a span of 8 minutes, they've gone from being down 17 to tied 24-24 in the third quarter. This is not supposed to happen. <laughs> if the Green Bay Packers game was one you say, oh, you know, 2024, I remember that Packers game. We almost lost that one. That was a close one. Whew, escaped. This is a game you tell your children about, your grandkids about, your great-grandkids about. This is a game when you're drunk at the bar saying, I remember where I was in 2024 when the Niners came back and beat the Lions. This is a game that's going to haunt Lions fans for eternity. The Lions were booking tickets to Vegas in the first half just eight minutes ago. And it was like San Francisco walked up and stole their boarding pass and said, See you, suckers. That's how crazy this was. In less than 10 minutes' time, San Francisco down 17 had tied the game. Down just 10 points in two minutes and less than 15 seconds, they were down 10 points and it tied the game. It was awesome. It was just freaking awesome to see. Then again, Lions get the ball back. How do you respond if you are Detroit? San Francisco's defense once again, third and ten, right? Chase Young stuffs Montgomery. Deshaun Gibson on back-to-back -back defensive drives, has the forced fumble, then knocks the ball out of Sam Laporta's hands, forcing Detroit into a third and long, and Josh Reynolds, for the second time in three drives, drops a wide-open, would-have-been first down. First on fourth and two, this time on third and ten, and it makes the Lions have to punt. It makes the Lions have to punt. Incredible. An incredible stretch of execution and play for the San Francisco 49ers. Defense and offense. Uh, and then from that point on, it was all San Francisco, right? The next drive, again, in my notes, says, Oh my Brock Purdy. It wasn't the biggest play of the game. It wasn't the most important play of the game. But Brock Purdy... Literally being grabbed and clawed upon by Lions defenders 
It looks like he's going down. No, it wasn't a helmet catch Eli Manning style, but he was in that huddle. He was lost, and you go, oh, that's a sack. No, he evades the pressure. He breaks free, runs to his left, resets his feet, and finds Kyle Juszczyk, tippy-toe, ballerina style, on the sideline for a freaking first down. And you're sitting back like, that is Mahomes-like. That is elite-level quarterback play. And thank God, nearly 57 million people are witnessing exactly how good Brock Purdy is. And Bobo again says, it's getting harder and harder for talking heads to criticize Brock Purdy. Amen, Bobo. If you leave this game, and today, Ryan Clark now on the Brock Purdy train. I'm waiting for you, Nick Wright. If anybody has anything bad to say about Brock Purdy after this game, uh, go outside, take a walk, and just don't come back. <laughs> like, your opinion is invalid. It doesn't matter. You can say is he a top five quarterback. I don't care about any of that conversation. Right now, Brock Purdy is one of two final standing quarterbacks. It's Mahomes and Brock Purdy. This generation's greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy. The resume for Brock Purdy is increasingly getting longer in just two years. Like, think about this. Brock Purdy wins this game. Mr. Irrelevant, right? Right? Then tears his UCL, then comes back, is 4-1 in the playoffs. The only loss in a game where his arms don't even work right because he has the torn UCL. He's 21-5 as a starter. He's the Niners' single-season franchise leader in passing yards. He's an MVP finalist. He won an NFC title game this year and is going to the Super Bowl. The legend of Brock Purdy is gonna be a movie someday has to be a movie someday. This is literal magic. This is insanity. This is elite level quarterback play. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Again, same drive. He finds use check. Then he finds Kittle for 28 yards. Then again, in the second half, scrambles for a first down, runs all the way downfield, and you're like, yes! Who needs Lamar Jackson? <laughs> we have a Brock Purdy. We have someone that can extend plays. And it wasn't just extending plays. It was being a playmaker. Is he a game changer or a game manager? In this podcast, I will show you exactly what a game changer is and what a game manager looks like. They were both on display in this game. And I can guarantee you this. The game manager was not Brock Purdy. <laughs> Purdy scrambles for a first down. Then he gets sacked. It was helmet to helmet, but so be it. They get a field goal, okay? They're up by three. 27, 27 to 24. San Francisco has the lead for the first time in the fourth quarter. 
Then Dan Campbell again, man. They're marching downfield, 22 yards here, 16 yards here. Uh, Amber Thomas almost has the pick on this drive. It pops in his hands, pops back to Williams' hands, and you're like, oh my God, like, that would have been a huge play. Lions run a flea flicker, Thomas gets injured, and I'm sitting there, fingers crossed, saying, please do not put in Isaiah Oliver. Please, 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 please. Logan Ryan comes in. Clutches up in the slot, jams Amon Ross St. Brown at the line. He gets nothing. It's third and ten. Amon Ross St. Brown catches the ball. Mooney Ward gets a huge tackle. Sets up a fourth and three. Lions now trailing 27 to 24. And Dan Campbell, who in the first half kicked the field goal, not being aggressive, in this half should have kicked the field goal. Went forward on fourth down, didn't get it again. Trailing by just three. Why wouldn't you want to stop San Francisco's momentum and get this game tied again for your team? Giving them a little breather, some confidence. Okay, this thing's gonna be okay. Dan Campbell goes forward on fourth down. They get some pressure on Goff. It's incomplete. And San Francisco gets the ball back. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what are the Lions doing? Purdy finds Debo for first down on the very next play. Off turnover on downs. Then for the third time, it's third and four. Purdy moves the ball all the way downfield. Again, with his legs, 21 yards. He's rumbling. He's tumbling all the way down towards the left sideline near the pylon. And CMC gets 25 yards and Mitchell gets a touchdown. Purdy's legs were incredible. Brock Purdy, a Brock Purdy, a quote-unquote non-mobile quarterback in this game, had more rushing yards than Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. Had more rushing yards than Jameer freaking Gibbs. On half the carries, Gibbs, 12 carries, 45 yards. Brock Purdy, 5 carries, 48 yards, 10 yards in attempt. Brock Purdy's legs were awesome. He had 100 yards in this game. 267 through the air and 48 on the ground. He was rumbling. He was tumbling all the way down to lead this team into an insane comeback. Insane freaking comeback. That's how good... Brock Purdy was in this game for San Francisco. I mean, my goodness. He was insane. He was freaking awesome late in this game, running it all the way downfield. I mean, oh my God. Like, if you left this game wondering who Brock Purdy is, and you're leaving saying, I still don't know. I don't know what you watched. 57 million people witnessed the greatness of Brock Purdy. Witnessed the arm strength the legs, the mobility, the quickness, the smartness. That's even a word. Like Brock Purdy in this game showed to be an elite NFL quarterback. We got Mick in the chat saying, Niners, one more game to champions. Mick, we are one game away from hoisting a Lombardi trophy. The first time in my lifetime, Mick, I, I can't wait. I want this so bad, so bad. Randy says, what's up, Sterling? Also says, 
the faithless were everywhere at halftime. And look, Randy, you're right. Even myself, who hosts this podcast, let's be clear here. The Lions had a 91.5% chance to win this game. Like, I would give anybody a reason at some point, including myself, to say, this one might be over. (laughs) This one might be the ending of the season for San Francisco. But I'll tell you what changed for offensive on the Lions side. The Lions ran the, the ball for 148 yards in the first half. They kind of pulled a Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> they only ran the ball for 34 yards in the second half. 148 yards to 34. Insane. Steve Wilkes went from playing soft zone where nobody could tackle to playing primarily man coverage and trusting his DBs to cover. Mooney Ward was phenomenal in this game. Only one catch allowed on like 46 coverage snaps. 0.02% chance he was going to allow a catch in this game. Lenore was phenomenal on Amon Ross St. Brown in the second half. Ambry Thomas, he wasn't great, but in that second half, he stepped his game up. Steve Wilkes, who once said, when everybody was saying, fire him, fire him, fire him, he said, I'm built for this. Now, at the end of the season, if we win at all, um, a replacement may be needed still. But as of this moment, uh, Steve Wilkes came through. Steve Wilkes came through. Making changes, trusting his DBs to make plays. And Randy, no, uh, I did not hear Rex Ryan's take. Um, It does feel like that everyone is changing their tune on Brock Purdy in San Francisco this morning. Which doesn't make any sense. You go 12-5 and in the season, number one seed, MVP finalist. The Niners have been the favorite to win the entire thing all year long. I don't know why there needed to be this idea of I don't trust them. Like, if there's going to be a team you trust, it's this team right here now. Lately, <laughs> maybe you don't trust them as much, but I'll tell you this right now. Debo Samuel, great in this game. Led the entire team uh, in in yards. Uh, he was awesome. Um, or receiving yards, excuse me. Didn't get a touchdown. But Debo was a massive impact in this game. Almost didn't play in it because of the injury. Got healthy enough. Was not going to miss this one. And every time he touched the ball, you could hear the Debo, Debo. And it was just awesome. The faithful. We could hear you through the TV screen. It was awesome, awesome, awesome to see uh, and hear through the TV. Uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I know PFF might not say Greenlaw was great in this game. Uh, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw cleaned up the mess that was Devon Hargrave, that was Eric Armstead in this game, uh, especially in that first half. But even then, to have an all-pro Fred Warner and a Pro Bowl-level talent in Drake Greenlaw next to him, uh, they have been so pivotal these last two games against Green Bay and the Lions, to have those two guys behind uh, your struggling defensive line, when you can't stop the run, you gotta have two guys that can tackle, and to have those two stalwarts back there, 
they are so important to what San Francisco's done, has done, and wants to do on defense. Warner and Greenlaw were great in this game. Uh, Gibson, again, the forced fumble in coverage. Uh, the big PBU on, on, on Laporta, just so, so clutch. Um, Nick Bosa, two sacks, had 11 pressures in this game. He was great. You just hope that guys like Chase Young and Hargrave and Armstead and Gregory um, do their part uh, for the majority of the game next time. But uh, Bosa snapped his four playoff game sackless streak, um, gets back in the sack column for the defense. He was great in this game. Uh, well, I'll rephrase that. Uh, set the edge, then I'll call you great. But as a pass rusher, really good uh, for San Francisco. Uh, Mooney Ward, Lenore, they were great. I'm not even going to discuss the garbage time touchdown in the back of the end zone for Detroit. It's not important. It really isn't important because the San Francisco 49ers are going back to the freaking Super Bowl. That's all that matters. I was once told by a wise man, stats are for nerds. Winning is all that matters. Now, I love my stats, right? Who doesn't? Um, but at this moment... Like I said last week, I do not care how it happens. Last play, first play, a safety, a fumble recovery, a touchdown pass, a run, a pick six. It does not matter. If this season ends with the Niners hoisting a Lombardi trophy, that is the only thing I care about. I've been with this team <laughs> all year long. OTAs, minicamp, training camp. I've been there. Every single day at Levi's, every single week, watching games like you, hosting podcasts, listening to podcasts like you. This is the culmination of our season, and the only thing that matters is winning a Super Bowl. Like Randy says, winning isn't everything, it is the only thing. Randy, you are so, so right. In this game, though, I do want to mention this. We talked about coming into the game. What separates Brock Purdy and Jared Goff? It's about pressure, playing under and against pressure. Brock Purdy in this game, when he was under pressure in that first half, wasn't great. 7 for 15, 93 yards, 1 pick. In that second half, the offensive line nutted up, started playing better, gave him clean pockets, right? 13 for 16, 174 yards, one pick, and 49 rushing yards. Listen to this. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in the last 30 years to have 150 plus yards through the air, passing yards, rush for 45 plus yards, complete 80% of his passes, Average 10-plus yards on the ground and have zero turnovers. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in the last 30 years to do that in a single half. In the postseason or even the regular season, what we witnessed was history in the making. It was a, an NFL-altering half of football. It was insane. It was in insane to watch and look again going back to pressure right Brock Purdy under pressure in this game 6 for 11 88 yards one pick 
It's not great. No one's saying that. But two scrambles for 42 yards. One of them on second and 11. The other on third and four to keep the game alive for San Francisco. That's what you call a game changer. When Cam Newton doesn't include Brock Purdy in the game changer column, it's disrespectful, Cam. Brock Purdy against the Lions, number one ranked rush defense, ran for 48 freaking rushing yards. He's a game changer and created a 17-point comeback and won by three. They scored 27 unanswered points in this game. <laughs> 20, 27 points unanswered in the second half of this game. Game changer literally everywhere. Now Jared Goff, when he's kept clean in the pockets, great. Jared Goff, 22 for 28. He had a clean pocket for 28 passes in this game. Uh, that's horrifyingly awful for San Francisco's defensive line. You got to get to him, boys. When the pocket was clean, he was 22 for 28. 247 yards, one touchdown, and a rating of 115.3. When Jared Goff was under pressure, we all talked about if you can get to Goff, you can change their entire offense. He will fold. I said, previewing this game, he is more rattleable than Brock Purdy. And it showed to be true on Sunday night under pressure. 3 for 13. 26 yards, 39.6 passer rating. Right there is a perfect example of a game changer. Brock Purdy, game on the line down 17 points. What does he do? He brings you back, plays a perfect second half, throws one touchdown pass, and gets his offense in position to score 27 unanswered points with some help from Elijah Mitchell and Chris McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Tayshawn Gibson and others. Jared Goff, when the game's on the line, you have to score. What does he do? He folds like a freaking long chair. Jared Goff is the epitome of a game manager. Brock Purdy, the epitome of a game changer. Brock Purdy, amongst many other things, mind you, Many things had to go right for San Francisco to win this game. Dan Campbell being ultra-aggressive and ultra-conservative at the wrong times. Some drop passes here and there, but great teams find a way to win these games. If Tom Brady had won this game, you would just say, well, that's Tom, that's TB12. Had Mahomes come back to win this game, you would have said, God, I hate that man. This is what he does every single playoff game. Brock Purdy did the darn thing. No more discrediting him. Even whatever happens in two weeks, I think they'll win, but that's just me. Whatever happens in two weeks... You cannot discredit him anymore. What he did was elite-level quarterback play. It was game-changing quarterback play. And to watch him take three knees or two knees, whatever it was, and flex on that sideline for Kyle Shanahan to run out 
to the field and hug him like his own son. That it permeated through the TV into my body. I was like, oh my God, inject this into my veins. When Brock took that last knee, it was like, oh my God, what did we just watch? How did we accomplish this? How did we do this? The guts, the courage of every single player on that field to look each other in the eye and say, do not give up. This is still attainable to fight their way back. It's unheralded. I'm 27 years old. I've had many of Niner playoff losses in my life against Seattle, right? Sherman tips the ball and you're just like, oh, a crushing defeat against the Ravens, the Harbaugh ball, the, the time management in the red zone. What are we doing? Give it to Gore. Awful way to end a year against the Chiefs. My entire life in the playoffs feels like disappointment. And for the first time in my 27 years of living, it feels like we can finally overcome every obstacle in our way. And nothing can stop us. Not even Patrick freaking Mahomes. Now you have to prove that. They got Taylor Swift out there singing her songs and kissing Travis Kelsey, so that's going to be a problem, right? But it feels like for the first time in 27 years, nothing, not even a 17-point insurmountable lead can stop the San Francisco 49ers from going to the Super Bowl. That's awesome. That is so awesome. It's just speechless. Like, yesterday, I was on 95.7 The Game for four and a half hours taking calls, listening to you guys, other fans, the faithful, just going ballistic and berserk because what we saw last night was history. The greatest comeback in an NFC Championship game Ever. Literally ever. And it's so funny too because uh, a lot of the conversation was the Lions haven't won a road playoff game since 1957 in which they came from behind down 17 points to beat the San Francisco 49ers at Keysar Stadium. And it felt like there was going to be a flipping of history. The Lions win the exact same way coming here and stomp San Francisco and San Francisco stood there on the edge and looked into the abyss of another letdown in the playoffs and backed themselves forcefully off the edge when one breath would have pushed them over and the season would have been done. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They turned around and force their way back into this game. Field goals, a fumble recovery, a touchdown, some lucky plays. No one's discounting that. It took all 53 players on Sunday. It took every coach, 
every water boy and every single member of the faithful. The crowd was such a big impact in this game. Even George Kittle said, I don't understand why the analytics don't want to admit momentum is a thing. You could tell that may have been the biggest momentum switch I have ever seen in sports history. Knowing how far we were down by 17 points, you had to score on almost every single drive. As soon as they got the field goal and the fourth down play, fourth and two, bang, and that Ayuk play occurred, 51 yards downfield off the helmet of, of Kendall Vildor, right into the hands of Ayuk where he dives for it. That moment, it was like the switch was flipped all the way in San Francisco's favor. And at that moment, we all started to believe once again. I didn't see Montana play. I didn't catch all of Steve Young's career. I got Garcia and Rattay and O'Sullivan and Cody Pickett, Chris Winkie, Sean Hill, some good quarterbacks, Jimmy G, Cap, and, and, and many others in, in that realm, right? I didn't get to see my team's quarterbacks be great and come back from these crazy games. The, the catch game. Three picks by Montana. How did he come back? Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. RIP, man. Like, that's legacy-defining games. This game was a legacy-defining game for Debo and Purdy and Ayuk and Kittle. This game right here, you can tell they're giving it all they have. They know this could be the last shot at this thing. You never know who's going to retire, who might sign elsewhere. Injuries occur. We saw 2020. They know they have to have a sense of desperation. And after that Packers game, I, I wanted to see it for four quarters, mind you. But in the second half, there was a massive sense of desperation. And that is what pushed San Francisco to overcome and have one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Of all time. I mean, Randy, Mick, I can't breathe, man. It was like the oxygen was being sucked out of my body in that first half. I wanted to throw up. It was so gross. And somehow, some way, they figured it out. Brock Purdy was a game changer. Theo Samuel was awesome. CMC over 100 yards. Feed CMC, please. In that first half, the effort was non-existent. Chase Young was atrocious. In the second half, he made some plays. Uh, but if there is one thing I want to take away from the defense from the first half, set the edge, boys. <laughs> For the love of God. This is the best rushing offense they're going to play all year, and they survived. You got Pacheco next in two weeks. He's really good. He ain't Gibbs. He ain't Montgomery. But he will extend drives. He will make a big play here or there. And there's Mahomes and Kelsey and Rashid Rice, right? This may have been San Francisco's biggest rushing attack uh, test of the year. And they did not pass, but they certainly survived. And right there, to overcome the Packers team, riding high, that knocked off Dallas, nothing to lose, 
in the rain, the offense playing poorly with no Debo Samuel. You escape, you win in this game. To be able to shove the you-know-what right back into Chauncey Garner-Johnson's face, to have Eminem flip off your fans in your own press box, to send them home with their tails tucked between their legs might be one of the greatest feelings ever. Beating Seattle means so much. Beating Dallas means probably the most. Beating this Lions team as they're waving goodbye to our own fans in our own home in the first half, taking cheap shots at Debo Samuel to his hurt shoulder to send Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back home in the most disrespectful way possible. I kid you not, Christian McCaffrey, of all people, looked down after, you know, uh, um, uh, stiff-arming him in the first half. In the second half, looked down at one of the Lions players and said, F you, you SOB. You can read it clear as day on the TV broadcast like, whoa, this game is grimy, it's dirty, and if that's what it takes, give it to me all day long. It was awesome. This game was simply awesome. What was your favorite part of this game? Put it in the comments down below. Was it the IU catch? The Juwan Jennings catch? Purdy in general? What are the concerns you have against Mahomes in two weeks? Where does this game rank amongst the Shanahan era playoff wins? Where does this game rank amongst the Niners historical playoff wins? For me, it might just be number one. This game, it's on TV as we speak. I don't want to watch it again, but in a few years when I have a kid or so, I'm going to sit them down and say, hey, uh, you got to watch this game. <laughs> this will make you who you want to be in life. It, it, it will define your character. Define <laughs> your character. A Bobo here says the Ayuk moment was the best. Gigantic catch. 51-yard catch. I mean, for all the crap I've given Ayuk all year for not showing up when it matters most with no Debo on the field, um, albeit Debo still played, Ayuk, with only having three catches, uh, he was great. Now, coming into the game, with how bad the Lions' secondary is, I would have liked them to push the ball down the field more, take more shots, with Ayuk and Debo, and, and they tried early, but it just wasn't there enough, in my opinion. And things got so ugly early, they kind of had to dial things back. But that Ayuk catch, again, it's going to be replayed over and over and over again. It has to be. It's one of the greatest catches in Niner playoff history. Like, you have the catch, the catch two, the catch three. I mean, this one might be up there for how great it was. Um, almost a touchdown. But he got it anyways. It was awesome. Bobo here says uh, number two moment for them was a fumble recovery. Uh, the, the the Gibson force fumble on uh, on um, Jameer Gibbs. Armstead's recovery. It was awesome. There's a picture of Armstead with the ball holding it out like, do you want this? And it was like, yes, please. We needed that. It was an awesome game. There's so many moments you can point to and say, that one was the best. No, it was that one. No, it was that one. And that's what makes for the most improbable, amazing, just like magical moments 
in life. Like, watching this game in the first half, you wanted to tear your shirt off and say, ah, I hate this so much. In the second half, it was like, okay, yes, 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 no, no, yes, 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 yes. How are we winning this game? Juwan Jennings, Purdy, CMC, Mitchell, Ayuk. Like, there are so many important game-changing plays that altered, really, NFL history. The Lions could have easily won this game. And it could easily be Lions and Chiefs in Vegas. But instead, it's Niners and Chiefs, a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl. And the San Francisco 49ers on the field at Levi Stadium for the second time under Kyle Shanahan hoist an NFC championship in front of the faithful. Confetti falling down, everyone's hugging to see Ayuk kiss, or excuse me, Ayuk and Purdy kiss their fiancés and their girlfriends. It was an awesome moment. Kittle and Claire, uh, Kristen and Kyle Juszczyk, it was like, yes. Everyone is behind this team. Everybody is fighting. The entire faithful are fighting. This may be the greatest Niner team in the last you know, 24 years. This offense is the number 7th ranked offense per DVOA of all time. This team has to win a Super Bowl. And on the brink back-to-back weeks, they have found their way of playing in the biggest game of the season to win this game to guts in so much effort there are so many small moments on film go back and rewatch it you just point to and say that's the biggest moment no 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 it's that josh reynolds two massive drops if he catches either one of those passes the season's probably over literally inches away inches from game over pack it up and get out this team found a way. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how, albeit I watched it. <laughs> You're like, what the heck happened, man? Um, thankfully, nobody seriously injured. They have a week off and a week to prep for Kansas City. They're not going to practice until Thursday. Ambry Thomas has an ankle injury. George Kittle has a toe. They're both day-to-day. A CMC had a stinger. He's fine. It feels like this team is completely healthy and ready to go for the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, as as Bobo points out again here, uh, the Chiefs have lost Charles Amenehu, X-Niner. An awful thing. It's, it's awful. Torres ACL against the Ravens. Uh, this Lions team, it was supposed to be San Francisco against Emmanuel Mosley. We didn't get to see that. Now we're not going to see San Francisco against Charles Amenehu. Injuries have taken us away from rematches against our former players. It really stinks to see that. Uh, but Amenehu's not going to play. Torn ACL. Uh, sometimes you just got to sit back and breathe. <laughs> because uh, I have no idea how this happened. No idea. And it's moments like this that make you appreciate Shanahan and Lynch and Purdy and the entire team. Like, they... People were saying on Twitter, on social media, I'm sure if you were at a party, your non-Niner fans are texting you saying, it's over, pack it up, ha-ha, losers, losers, losers. 
And I hope you walked into work today with your chest and your chin held high, being like, yeah, we ain't no loser. We're the freaking best team in the entire NFC and have a chance to prove we're the best team in the NFL in two Sundays. In fact, San Francisco literally this year beat every NFC playoff team this season. Packers, Lions, Cowboys, Eagles, Bucks, <laughs> Lions. Paul already said them once. They beat literally every playoff team. The Rams, every playoff team this year, San Francisco beat them. They, they, they've earned this. They, they deserve this. This is where we are supposed to be. Where we belong is the Super Bowl. And we have a chance to rewrite history, to right a wrong that occurred in 2020. We can beat Mahomes. We can beat Kelsey again. We can avenge a heartbreaking loss. Kyle Shanahan can get the monkey off his back like Steve Young. Imagine Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, with a Lombardi trophy in his hand, raised high as a champion of the world. We've watched Joe Staley and Frank Gore, Willis, Bowman, Dante Whitner, so many great Niner players in the history of this team not get a championship. I don't want Trent Williams, who's going to his first ever Super Bowl. Chris McCaffrey going to his first ever Super Bowl. I don't want to see George Kittle retire eventually with no ring on that finger. Debo and Ayuk, these are franchise cornerstone players that deserve to have their legacies cemented in Canton. With 2023-2024 San Francisco 49er Super Bowl champion next to their name. Seahawks fans, Eagles fans, Lions fans, Cowboy fans, nobody wanted to see San Francisco here. Go through X or Twitter or on Instagram. You will see every fan base rooting against the San Francisco 49ers. They're actively rooting for the Chiefs in two weeks. They do not want us to win in just like the Packers game and the Lions game, if we have to go to the brink, let's continue to prove them wrong. I'm ready. I'm so freaking ready to win a Lombardi trophy. To say, in my head, even though I didn't do a darn thing <laughs> on the field, that the San Francisco 49ers are Super Bowl champions in my lifetime. For many of you, the sixth time in your lifetime. I just need one. And right now, for the third time in my lifetime, we have a chance. I do not want to see legendary players who put in all the work, the coaches who put in so much hours of film and study. I don't want to see this team not have a championship next to their name. They deserve it. They're too good. They're too good to not have one. Man, this is a great game. <laughs> it's an awesome game to watch. Um, as you can tell, this means everything to me. As I'm sure it does to you too. Uh, 
having covered this team since 2020, having been through the ups and the downs as a fan forever, as you have been as well, uh, this team just feels different. This team just feels like nothing, no obstacle, no hurdle can stand in our way. It feels like a team of destiny. You'll see me on Twitter and X put out the phrase, from death to destiny. The last two games felt like we were on death's door, on the bed, sitting there like, take me now, it's over. We rose up, and now we have destiny in front of our eyes. One more game to immortality. To forever be called a Super Bowl champion. That's what this is about. That's what this game against the Lions was about for the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, Trent Williams, Chris McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, who was crying on the field after losing in this rookie season against the Chiefs. Debo Samuel, that same year, Debo Samuel in this game, afterwards took a knee on the field to look at the moment and embrace it, knowing, knowing, this doesn't happen usually once in a lifetime, and they get a second shot to right the wrong that happened four years ago. This is their revenge tour. This is their redemption arc. And by golly, we are all freaking in. Let's go. All the way to Vegas. Let's get that freaking Lombardi trophy. I want it. I need it. I need these guys to know their work was validated on that field in the history books forever. They're too freaking good to not have that champion title next to their name. Trent Williams has done everything. Pro Bowls, All Pros, Playoffs. He needs a Lombardi trophy. It broke my heart to watch Joe Staley walk off that field in Miami as a loser in that game. Let's change history and get our guys a ring. We can do this. We can do this. I know we can. Stay tuned. In a week or so, Niners Chief Super Bowl 58 preview. We got a chance. One more game for immortality. Into Kansas City and their fans, Brittany Mahomes, Jackson Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Mama Kelsey, Taylor freaking Swift, uh, I'll say this, bring it on. We are ready for Vegas and Super Bowl 58. We are going to take care of business. Packers, check mark. Lions, check mark. Divisional round, done. NFC title game done. One more step. Super Bowl 58. Let's finish the story. Whew. Man. Wow. I mean, I want to clap, cry, yell, sing, go nuts. I mean, what a win that was for the 49ers yesterday against the Detroit Lions. Incredible. Incredible. Just an awesome, awesome game. Man. Uh, I want to ask you a few things before we go. Follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter, is the X. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. If you want to go to a concert, an NBA game, 
or if you still want to buy tickets to the Super Bowl and you want the smallest discount of 20 bucks off, use our promo code 49ERSACCESS49 E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Look, folks, there's one game left in the season. Leave it all out there. For the team, for the fan base, lose your voice yelling, let's go Niners. One game left, and immortality is ours. Immortality is yours. You get to call yourself a champion. And that's going to feel so, so good. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. An hour and a half of this Niners-Lions NFC Championship game reaction. Bobo, Mick, Randy, you guys are awesome in the chat. Thanks for joining us. Honestly, have a great Victory Monday. David McNiner, everybody. If you haven't been on the chat, have a great Monday. Have a great Victory Monday. And enjoy the NFC Championship win over the Detroit Lions. Sending Eminem and Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. Not Mahomes, excuse me. Eminem. <laughs> I'm getting too far ahead of myself here. Eminem and Jared Goff and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson home empty-handed. That's what I call a good Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until Super Bowl 58, stay faithful.